Hello and welcome to the Elder Tree podcast. My name is Twiggy Dawn, founder of the Elder Tree and Alcamilla Herbals. You are listening to the Herbal Educators segment, where each new moon I will be inviting a series of guests to chat about the world of herbal education, about their passions and motivations, and their dreams for the future of herbal medicine in Australia. Today, I interview the potent and prolific Jackie Bushell. We travelled together down a winding, colourful road of Jackie's experiences and gain a beautiful insight into her wisdom, which is based on over 40 years of being a practitioner and herbal educator, blending the modalities of nature-based therapy, essences, herbal medicine, Reiki, meditation and energy healing. Jackie is also an author and runs an incredible range of desert retreats and online workshops, as well as face-to-face workshops. She has been a teacher at Endeavour College, Nature Care College, the Awareness Institute, and within many other spaces. She's been dancing with the mythic imagination for most of her life through her love of the wisdom held in fairy tales and in her work as a spiritual herbalist, listening for the voices and the stories in the land. In this interview, we speak about reciprocity and accountability in our relationships with the plants and honouring them as teachers with a strong commitment and also about being responsible in the way that we work with these plants. We talk about the importance of storytelling, the importance of having a deep level of listening with our heart and with our bodies and with the land. We discuss the widespread current lack of custodian mindset in wild harvesting indigenous medicines and the need for sustainable and appropriate dosages of herbs, particularly because of the rampant consumerism of herbal medicine that is currently globally taking place. Jackie shares her potent vision for the future of herbal education in Australia. Her passion is contagious and she has a strong, bright spark in the realm of herbal medicine in Australia. It was an absolute honour to interview her and deepen our connection, and I invite all of you to make a pot of tea, sit down and listen to this beautiful interview and to the wisdom that Jackie has to share. Hello, Jackie. Welcome onto the Herbal Education segment of the Elder Tree podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on here today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Twiggy. Thank you so much for asking me. Yeah, it is quite it's quite a pleasure and an honour for me. Um, I've been following you for quite a while, as I've said to you, um, and I, I really love the 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 depth and the um, breadth of your experience and the spaces that you're working in. And um, I really look forward to having a chat with you, and yeah, getting to know you a bit better. Oh, thanks. Likewise. Um, <laughs> really keen to see where what paths we might meander down together Mm -hmm. it's always a delight these conversations Mm. you've just returned from the wise women's conference haven't you yes gorgeous gorgeous group of of women and it's just beautiful to be with a group of women who are so inspired by what's possible when we come together in communion with each other Mm. creating communities and in communion with with nature and that deep level of listening with our heart and with our bodies and and with the land Mm. it's it's radical and revolutionary and revelatory mm. um, as well to have a, a little alliteration moment um, wise women's is a, is a beautiful beautiful um, I don't like to just call it an event it's an experience that's that's uplifting and rich mm. yeah so Hope to hope to see you there next year. Most definitely. In fact, uh, with the other podcast presenters, we've been talking about having a bit of a kind of team meeting get together there at the next Wise Women's. I went to one yes. quite a few years ago. I think it might have been the second one, and I was really impressed with the herbal. Um, presence with the amount of amazing people that I met there and um, got to I got to meet like Sally Kingsford Smith and a lot of people that I've stayed in regular contact with since then and um, yeah it's kind of like that if you get a group of women together 
that are really like in their power inevitably plants start coming into it and plant wisdom sharing starts to really come into it so yeah I really love that about about the gathering and look forward to definitely coming along next year and I'm sure you'll be presenting again and so I look forward to getting to receive that as well. So, so just with the interview today, the first thing that I would love to explore before we get much into everything else is that I would love to know what your experience as being a student of, of um, herbal medicine has been, like what your, yeah, what your experience uh, within the inside and outside of the institutional world, you know, what your main influences have been, you know, books, people, um, teachers, plants yeah who've been your your biggest teachers that have kind of got you got you to this point so far okay um I'm just thinking the first one was John Lust's herb book that I actually found in the supermarket in Fitzroy and I just threw it in my shopping basket and went home and started trying to work out what on earth we had growing around Fitzroy and Carlton and was just fascinated. I was oh, maybe 20, something like that, and I just started making up teas because I'd never, ever even come across her, the concept of herbal medicine before. I, was, I had no idea. Uh, it just opened this, this doorway of possibilities. And then uh, I was training as a nurse at the time and, and also um, – studying other things at university and I suffered pretty severe burnout and uh, somebody said go and see this woman and she was a herbalist and I went into the room and there were shelves and shelves of brown bottles and the whole room just smelt like oh it smelt like this glorious compost heap (laughs) and I just fell in love I just wanted a room of brown bottles that smelt of liquids and to pour one into the other it was like watching pure alcohol alchemy and something in me just lit up and I don't know quite how it happened but within a few months I'd resigned from from left university and had and was suddenly enrolled full-time at the Southern School of Natural Therapies I think that was 1990 uh, in in Fitzroy and I started studying herbal medicine full-time and that was a glorious college because there was a lot of emphasis on vitalism and understanding the paradigms of science and understanding uh, the philosophy of holism and the the difference between uh, our approach as herbalists, and how herbs actually uh, engage with our, our our body, with our physicality, with our our, our mind, with our emotions, uh, compared to what happens when you're working with a, a biochemical pharmaceutical agent. And what I've noticed uh, over my time as working as a herbalist is that line blurring more and more and more with uh, herbal pharmacy coming in in a much more with a a greater biochemical awareness which is not the roots of of how herbs work with the body at all Mm. our our herbs tonify or relax or um, can stimulate we we don't specifically target um, particular receptors on cells so uh, being steeped in this level of engagement with philosophy and with brown bottles and bodies it was it was absolutely heavenly so I started off down there and then uh, a couple of years later I moved up to Sydney and uh, and once I felt brave enough to drive my little 1966 Vauxhall over the over the harbour bridge which took a while because I'm a bit nervous of bridges and <laughs> I, I actually um, enrolled at Nature Care College uh, and studied studied there so in my uh, probably at uh, the Southern School there were just glorious teachers Asunta Hunter was down there um, let's see uh, oh Peter what was his name? Peter Cook, I think it was. And um, and I was inspired by John Lust and David Hoffman. His beautiful herbal, um, the holistic herbal was the, the first proper herbal medicine book that I got. And Barbara Griggs and, and Mrs. Greaves and starting to steep myself in, in those books. I was just this avid reading and discovering this world that engaged with engaged with nature's aliveness and it reframed my whole sense of 
of life force and how to uh, how the world engages with us, not just me with it. So I was very focused on plants uh, and the world as as medicine, and I guess gradually over the years as well, I've I've realised no, it's actually much more than medicine. It's uh, it's the heart of the invitation of how we can allow ourselves to be touched and participated with and that we also have an accountability to the plants Mm. not just to sit down and gain their gain their medicine and then to use it but I've learned that it's this dance of reciprocity Mm. so what happened um at nature care oh my goodness um Raymond Khoury um I had Raymond for two years of herbs and just adored him and uh so I had had him. There was some just amazing um, nutritionists. There was, um, and also at that time I was really inspired by down at the Southern School, which was established by Judy and Alf Jacker. So I was inspired by what Judy was doing as well. Um, so up at Nature Care, I was there for uh, a, a year or so full time, and then I moved to the UK for a couple of years and deferred but I started I did a bit of study with Michael Tierra over there and um, and Leslie Tierra and uh, and a few others and started realizing the difference in the approach between what a lot of folks were doing in England and in Europe and the difference uh, with Australian education as well Mm. so the the teaching about drop dosing for instance and the greater understanding of uh, of the I'll just call it the personality or the character of the herbs. And I started realising that what I was being taught, I didn't have a clarity of the difference, say, between a whole bunch of nervine relaxants or a whole bunch of of, um, pulmonary expectorants. I didn't know one plant from the other. And that's because I didn't know the plants. I was memorising lists and lists and lists, like 50 herbs a year or something of actions and indications but I didn't know the plans mm. so it was when I was living in the UK and Europe that I actually started to get to know the plants themselves a little more and then I came back to Australia and finished finished studying at Nature Care and then my further further education started I, I thought it was a a lot while I was studying at Nature Care, but what clients teach you, what the plants teach you, what all the other research that you start doing teaches you. Mm. Um, that's when um, I started exploring in a really big way and just fell madly, passionately in love with Matthew Wood and um, oh, and Juliet de Berkeley Levy, Julia and Rosemary Gladstar and um, some of the other ones in the States, Margie Flint and um, Rosalie de la Forêt and um, just so many of them, she's in Europe, um, that I started expanding my relationship um, with the plants and started to learn more about them as as key teachers in my life. So as, as well as all of those people, I'd, I'd have to put dandelion in there and calendula. Calendula has been with me since the word go. <laughs> it's been a guide. Um, and different plants that have come in at different times. Nettle and mugwort have been major teachers for me over the past year and rose, always rose. Uh, so just listening to them and what they have to share. So it was sort of a real blossoming of my senses, of my tastes, of realising how limited my sight was, that plants engage through emotions and through tactility and tastes and all the varieties of tastes that are possible. So mm. that's sort of been a, a continuing a continuing education. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, thank you so much for taking us down that colourful journey, a very diverse array of, of um, probably many unlisted teachers and influence as well. So many of those names that you that you mentioned, you know, from David Hoffman to Rosemary Gladstar and Juliet of the Herbs and, yeah, just so many, so many of all those names and, and even just those key plants that you identified as your teachers. 
um, you know, if I just added probably plantain to the list, then you pro- probably got my list right there. <laughs> just put those all those ones that you listed. I was like, wow, they're they're really like I see them as great teachers in my life, not just medicines that I'm working mm-hmm. with or growing or you know building a relationship, ongoing relationship with, but they're they're real they're real teacher plants, aren't they? And often it's the humble the humble ones that people don't so much recognize as the teacher plants and um but yet they have so much so much to share if we just stop and listen to them yes and they've had millennia of being in service to to us for their their medicine their wisdom what they hold and the the prolificness with which they grow around the Mm. world so it's like celebrate them for their continued offering Mm -hmm. and not just in service to us because like you said before it's that's that reciprocity and that that two-way street of that they're not just something to utilize that that you know we um you know a lot of people are kind of waking back up to this this concept or this this reality of it um being we having to care for the medicine and have a relationship and be offering and yeah having that be a two-way street rather than just coming with our hands out and saying what are you going to do for me you know taking taking without really thought for the you know a custodianship kind of mindset and a responsible kind of mindset with the plant so I really love that how much you come from that angle because that also really reflects you know what I believe and how I feel as well yeah there's a real accountability Mm. in that relationship if I'm going to accept you as a teacher then how am I how am I honoring you uh what is it that you'd like and a mugwort the has really asked me to to step up if I'm if I'm going to say yes to mugwort as a teacher then my commitment is I need to share about her as much as I can mm. so hence all the mugwort immersion ceremonies mm. that I've been offering to um it's like okay uh, that's part of my commitment of thank you mm-hmm. uh, to mugwort for instance or being aware of the sustainability issues with the rampant consumerism around herbs over the last 20, 30, 30 odd years uh, of just that take, take, take of them and how they're being farmed or the environments that are being damaged by these, these, these medicines, um, the, um, the billions of tonnes that are, uh, are being asked for, clamoured for, mm. It's, um, it's a really difficult thing to, to negotiate how unsustainable in many ways herbal medicine is in, with the marketing that it has mm-hmm. these days. Yeah, yeah, especially when, when that's not being farmed or, or, or wild harvested in the right way. Like I was sitting with a, a local Jitabal elder, the Jitabal are the people of the area that I'm living in, and um, I was sitting with an uncle the other week and, and I had no idea that this had been going on, but he was talking about some, you know, some people from the, uh, I think he called it like the health food industry or something, you know, had kind of come along and been and wanted to identify some certain species that were endemic to this region uh, and that were really important for uh, not just for medicine but for initiation processes and that for the local people here. And uh, not long after they'd been shown, um, this uh, uncle came back to those areas and they'd just been decimated to the point where he's having a hard time finding any of those plants uh, and so, yeah, we had a big a big prayer a couple of weeks ago for that. You know, got a group of people together to try to try to send out a message to you know Great Spirit or the universe or the powers that be to you know try to turn that mindset around and and try to bring people into that custodianship mindset um, rather than yeah like we're talking about rather than just taking you know taking in such a way that it actually multiplies the 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 uh, the future harvest hang on yeah you know you know what I mean like that you're actually encouraging growth and encouraging more medicine so um yeah it's an unfortunate story just reflecting what's you know what's going on but I really hope that by shining light on those kind of things that we we can start to create a a bit of a change in a more more sustainable way of of gaining our medicines and working with our medicines as well Hmm. yes yes that sense of entitlement Hmm. to go in and strip an area or to dig up an area in order to get a bit of golden seal out of the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. 
we need to be in this for the plants mm-hmm. from their from their side as well as um, as well as our own. Um, and this trendification, let's make up a word there, <laughs> of particular plants like um, just the the stripping of cat's claw from South America, or what's increasing these days as South America has been stripped of so many, and India. Uh, of Siberia now and the plants that are being looked for there also as well as there were certain plants that were being um, looked at in Alaska and areas being stripped um, this 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 grasping mm. uh, and then the also uh, one of the things the key things that I really learned was in my first year out of college, I was working at Bathurst Women's Women's Health Centre as a naturopath there. And a lot of the women couldn't afford to buy a 200 ml bottle of herbs. So I started working with drop dosing uh, in my first year out just to make it affordable and accessible and finding us getting great results mm-hmm. with that, that we they didn't need five mils three times a day. So just finding out what actually coming back to the magic of the minimum dose mm-hmm. as we say in homeopathy of what is it that will actually work instead of pushing I think it's also a really big issues approach what's the issue that you have and this is how you address the issue I'm sure um, you and, and so many others see in clinic these days your client comes in they've got a bag of stuff that they've picked at the health food store or at Woolworths they tip it upside down and well this one the ginkgo's for my head and the fish oils are for this and the mac and they've got a list of something for something instead of this holistic approach and these active constituents that are focused on a particular issue rather than um, looking at other ways of support or what's actually needed um, so this this pushing for sedating a problem mm. rather than working with what might actually be going on, which means that there's this uh, push of of making and um, and the the big the money involved is is so big. Mm. Yeah, that approach is just really so like focus on the symptomatic relief and, you know, the allopathic kind of model and, you know, they're isolating these constituents and, you know, kind of removing removing the soul from the plant really and, you know, chopping it all up and it's all just getting isolated and kind of furthering our disconnect as a human species. So when we can work with whole plants, often when you're working with whole plants, you don't need as much as well or when you're working with whole medicines as well because your body's recognising it vibrationally. So it's um, connecting with the vibration, you know, that kind of medicine from the plant, isn't it, as well? It's hard to to feel the vibration if you're just getting an isolated constituent from a plant. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, it's a, a let something external fix me approach. And there's so much plastic um, with all of those things. Yeah. Not the pretty brown bottles that first sparked your, your interest no. at your first. Nelly brown yeah. bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm. So, yeah, so, I mean, you, you're, you're quite um, – You've become since since those days of really being focused on being a student. I know you said that you'll always be a student, and you know we all will be. And I think that's an important thing to stay humble and open to always learning and growing, uh, no matter our age or stage. But um, your kind of really intensive student days, you know, um, made way for your um, you know your offerings now and being a teacher and being a practitioner. So. I'm just wondering, because I know you do teach a lot of different spaces, you know, you, um, like with the Reiki and with the uh, anointing and, and just lots of different kind of um, plant connection spaces and lots of different offerings you have. Uh, but kind of in the, in the realm, in the realm with the plants, uh, what, uh, you know, what made you want to start teaching other people? Like what made you decide to put energy into that rather than just being a practitioner? It was entirely accidental and not something I would ever, ever have chosen <laughs> at all. <laughs> it was um, I'd taken about, with all my deferring, I'd, maybe eight, nine years or so between the Southern School and graduating at, at Nature Care with a lot of travel in between. And so when I graduated, I'd been doing a lot of manufacturing for years. And I think it was Airdrie Grant 
gave me a job or I was um, told there was a job going at nature care teaching herbal manufacturing. So I put my hand up and um, I still don't know what prompted me to to do that because I'd never, ever considered doing any level of, of speaking to more than two people at once, um, being largely hermit rising and, and an introvert. And um, so what happened that was extraordinary was I went in for that first class and I adored it. And I discovered something that I absolutely love in watching people discover uh, discover a passion and to develop their skills in uh, with something. And to be able to do that with plants was just it was just the most delicious, wonderful feeling, and uh, and I discovered that I could do it quite well. There was I could translate things for people. I found I could translate concepts into practicality. So I I started teaching pretty much full time as well as I, I was very busy as well as um, having a, a clinic pretty much full time as well, and that's just stayed since when was it ninety seven. Um, uh, in the the teaching, so with the plants, I've been making uh, making and engaging with essences uh, of plants and rocks and places since oh, I don't know about 1990 as well. So uh, I also have been teaching a lot of what essences are and working vibrationally with plants. This whole coming away from working uh, with high high doses of plants to um, coming into different realms of of listening and sensitivity with the plant, with what it is that they communicate in the world, what it, what it is of their their pattern of consciousness, and then discovering and sharing ways of of coming into communion with that, of of learning how to uh, perceive in those ways. So I guess it's about learning how to perceive specific frequencies is in essence what uh, I was learning and what I was teaching, how to listen with a particular plant and get to know it really, really well and to notice what the relationship is between you. And I was also um, doing a lot of teaching around finding, uh, doing that with the plants that are growing around you. So the herbs that nobody really was using at all, or that I'd never really learned about in, uh, in clinic, like Centauri that was growing a lot around Sydney and Biden's Pelosa mm. and um, Fumitry and Nasturtium and those ones. I know Centauri has started to be made again. Uh, more recently by some of the bigger companies. Uh, so working with those and exploring what there, there was locally and so helping people get to know what was in what's in their environment. So I guess that theme has continued all the way through. I've just tended to um, focus a bit more on developing ways of learning the languages of nature, which are other than other than words, but through the senses, mm. um, yeah. So and they've just got more popular. And when I first started trying to put on plant spirit workshops, when was that? All oh, sort of in the the late nineties, early two thousands, mm. and I'd get one or two people, and or they just nothing would happen. And now it's like ah, oh, plant spirit. Suddenly everybody is yes. Let's let's start engaging in this level. It's so exciting at the moment. What what I'm finding people are, are capable of, they come in and uh, within a few minutes they they've already got the they've already got the the software and the hardware in their being. I mean, we did anyway, but it's it's more accessible now. We're so much more vibrationally sensitive, so are just coming into cahoots with plants instantly. So then we can just use that as a platform to see where we might go and just to fly with what's possible. So mm. that's really exciting what I'm seeing. Um, with the plant spirit communion well that's beautiful I, I, applaud, I applaud you for holding that flame and keeping that alive you know for the last 40 odd 
years and just helping helping people you know those, those two things like bioregional bio medicine and being connected not just to what's in the herbal books and what you can source from overseas or other communities you know having being people being able to be like empowered um, informed and connected with the medicine that's growing around them uh, locally regionally um, that's so that's so important uh, you know not just even on a herbal medicine level but just on a on a human soul connection with nature being a part of nature kind of level and then also that plant spirit work as well is is just so important with both of them just bringing people back to being a part of nature and being connected so I see both of those two things as like hugely important um now and probably forever but just in in this modern age of disconnect and where everything's wrapped in plastic like you said and and everything's so kind of so far removed and we're we're decimating rainforests in the amazon rather than uh turning to what's just growing in our backyards you know having those teachings like what you're offering are so important so yeah thank you for for keeping that alive you know for the past 40 something years and offering those and and those sparks because every every time you teach someone and they turn around and they share that and they share that and you know it's just helping with that remember remembrance and helping with that like inspiring people to you know turn turn back to these ways that our ancestors it just would have been the way our ancestors were before all this modern <laughs> civilization stuff came along yes. Yes, it brings us into our bodies and with a, a level of listening that we're not habituated to uh, as commonly, mm. unless we grew up in a Steiner school. Um, so, yes, yes, it brings in another level of aliveness and overcomes that, that separation. Mm. Yeah, it brings people into caring. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. So, yes, yeah, so I suppose that brings me... The, to the next the next question that I really love to ask people that come on here as well is that what have been some of the unexpected gems for you in 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 becoming like a kind of focusing mostly on the plant you know the plant realm of what you offer what have been some of the hidden gems for yourself and for your community the things that you might not have expected to have gained from it that have been really stood out to you mm. What it, well, there's a few things. There's what it's taught me about myself uh, and realising that it's never just me facilitating uh, a workshop or whatever or a program, that there's also the nature is also a, a co-facilitator there, that there's always so many unexpected things and that I can trust that co-facilitation I just need to listen and not try and control the process or have an agenda so I've learned to um, have a plan and to be really flexible with it because the weather might change something who's growing or or there might be a particular issue that arises in the group and then we can find what there is in the environment that is an immense support so I've learned uh, to be Im immensely flexible and to let go of let go of those levels of, of rigid control, and uh, what's been just such gems is watching where people go with what it is that they do, and this sense of of give them a little bit of of, a, of an experience that they start to integrate and feel empowered by and then watch it ripple through their communities. Watching, um, it, I had an experience uh, a couple of years ago when I was working many years ago at Leichhardt Women's Health Centre as a herbalist, uh, there was a client who came in with a very particular unique story and it was so specific and it was funny and it was... Um, poignant and and uh, I shared I had the permission to share that story and I told it in a few places and it was about maybe 18 years later that somebody happened to mention this funny story that they'd heard from a friend in England and they told the story I'm thinking what the hell that was my client nobody else would have done that it was so specific and um, it was, and I realized my goodness this story has spread out and it's gone around the world this, the, the art of storytelling mm. and it came back to me 
And I realized that was an immense gift of you have no idea of the impact that you have. You have no idea where one word or phrase might whistle off to. So never feel that you're not doing enough because you you just don't know the impact that you might have or when you're in that uh, workshop, te- I just call it teaching mode, where there's nature and there's plants and there's people and there's spirit and earth coming coming through and around the whole group, something might come out of your mouth that you'll have no recollection of later. So it's like a, a level of being open to trusting that the words that need to be spoken will be spoken or the words that need to be heard will be heard. Mm -hmm. I've had people come up to me and say, when you said bloody blah, that changed my life. And I've thought, I I didn't say that. Um, (laughs) I said this, but you heard that. So I've learned a huge amount about perception of what happens when you say something and of how it dances and twists and ducks under a wave and comes up as something else in somebody else's mind and understanding and of how people um, make things unique through the filter of their own perception and their belief and where they're at. So I've really learned to trust the magic of that uh, as well. That's been extraordinary. Uh, I, I used to get really hung up on, no, it was, this is what I said and this is the bit that's important. Then I realized it doesn't matter, Jackie. If it's something that might be dangerous, then it does. But what I teach is engagement and participation and, and, um, coming into cahoots with plants and themselves and spirit so if this is what they hear then that's what they're running with and if that's what's helped bring in a gift of understanding or attunement or healing for them uh, yeah it's it's something something is coming to place i've learned to trust that multi-dimensional entity in a space it's it's this pure I guess um, I see it all the time with the storytelling work I do. It's like the audience calls forth the questions or words or the processes and the land um, offers and moves things around. So um, I'm just the one who sets a few boundaries around stuff and can bring through a few words. So it's this dance between us and spirit and the land and the audience and the me and um, so that's really blown me away. I've, I've gone from it's me and them to ah, oh, there's this this movement, momentum, mm. cahooting that we all do together, and it's so much bigger than anything I could imagine. Mm. So that is extraordinary and exciting. Beautiful. That was so well articulated. Thank you for that. And you really you really articulated something that I've been experiencing a lot with my workshops that I haven't haven't quite heard anyone else speaking about. Uh, I often have that moment happen in my um, different herbal workshops where in the sharing circle at the end, someone will try to like quote me or, or say something that I said that, you know, really touched them or inspired something. And, but then when they say it, I'm like, uh, I think I'm pretty sure I didn't say that, but, uh, but that's great. Like what they're saying is amazing. And I'm like, hang on, I'm learning from you what what you're you're (laughs) saying that you just learnt from me but I actually I'm like wow that's amazing what you just said (laughs) so thanks for saying that again so I can just jot that down because I'd love to remember that myself totally and that's you know that's where the teacher-student relationship that beautiful interplay of like I say something that sparks you to teach me to teach you to like you know that beautiful two-way street even just between the the teacher and the student and how much you can learn by being a teacher as well if you listen to your students and even if it's just reflecting back what you've been saying. So I really love that. And and something I noticed recently as well, um, I know that you're a passionate storyteller and I noticed that you have like some fairy tale, uh, a course coming up about fairy tales. And <laughs> you feel to share a little bit yes. about that. Actually, I just did a masterclass yesterday on the power of of fairy tales because it's what I've really learned in all the the workshops and courses and everywhere that I've run, even university level courses, people remember the stories. They might remember a few facts, but they've got to actually go back and 
uh, revise the facts, but they recall the stories. So I like to, um, if I really want to land something for someone, I'll bring in, there might be a bit of information, but I'll bring in uh, a living example of it or, or a a story that I've heard somewhere or a myth because it lands it in a different part of the brain and that's what people remember and they'll quote the stories and they also remember the feeling that they have in the experience uh, rather than uh, maybe the, the actual information. So um, I also in teaching I'll try and vary what the state is of the place or get them to vary their movement or their how they're engaging or what emotion might be being touched just so things will land in in different ways um and what I the what I found with with teaching um I'll get to the this leads into the fairy tale and a lot of the other story work um what I found is that I'd work when working a lot with essences the essences themselves working so um, clearly with particular plants they provide a framework of experience that will hold you because of the the breadth of their consciousness and what it is that they communicate like they communicate trust in self or trust in the environment or um, recognizing oneness or whatever it might be so there's you come in with your issue your state your conflict and as you rest in the the chalice of that plant it can bring you through that with numerous insights and out the other side what i found is that there's only a small number of people who are interested in essences or who think they're interested in essences i usually find once they dive in everybody falls in love with them because they're so extraordinary but um they often don't come in with that and I do a lot of taking people out on the land and uh, and a lot of soul work I guess you'd say it's always any connection with plants is massively about um, personal transformation as well so I realized that I needed another framework that would hold people in their journey from uh, I'm stuck in this state or this perception or whatever it might be, to bring it through to support um, re-guidance, reframing, uh, integration, a new way of being and to shapeshift a sense of their old sense of identity into something that's uh, blossoming in another way. So um, one of the things I've always done is share a lot of stories about about everything and then I started engaging with um, with fairy tales and with myths because of their strong archetypal forces that they anchor and uh, there's very very long stories about what they did for me and what they're still doing for me they're, they're like they're like living beings they're like these these I think of them kind of like animals, um, <laughs> this living force of, a, of these stories that are so old. They've run over, over so many tongues for thousands of years. They're sort of polished like river stones and there's this whole spectrum that you can engage with them at and they hold opposites. Like um, you can, a wolf can be uh, a, a, a teacher, a shapeshifter, um, a, a a, th a predator, a threat, a, a grandma eater. Grandma can be a shaman who becomes the wolf. Um, a wolf can be lover. It, there's, it holds opposites. So when you engage, for example, with the the old version of the story of Red Riding Hood, which is very different from the Grimm Brothers version, um, they were just moralizing arrogant nationalists, really. But the old versions, they're connected so much with the earth. They've, they have stories that have risen from the land and I think of them like echo-shamanic experiences. So when you bring in a story like Red Riding Hood, you're bringing in the forest, you're bringing in the crone, you're bringing in the goddess, you're bringing in wolves in all of their metaphorical um, richness. So when you start engaging with that story, because there's a thread of story, girl goes out, girl meets wolf, girl learns something from grandma, girl meets forest all the way through to girl escapes with the help of a bunch of fairies actually in the original one. But um, uh, you've got a I go in, meet a problem and I come out the other end after having been engaged with with 
various supernatural beings in magical ways and talking mice, you know, that sort of thing. And then you come out the other end. So it gives you this framework of going, uh, of being able to work through your stuff with this spectrum of rich consciousness. So I like to bring in, um, with the big earthwork that I'm doing, I'll often bring in a story as a chalice to help hold people or to provide a framework as we explore ourselves and spirit and the land. And within that chalice of the story, uh, maybe it's about Persephone's choice of eating the pomegranate seeds or not, or maybe it's about um, weaving woman and how her threads become unraveled in the cave of all knowing. Uh, Or maybe it is Red Riding Hood and the relationship of humans and wolves and forests. Um, Then that gives us uh, a cauldron while we're exploring a whole bunch of plants or uh, our issues in relationship to the plants. So I I like to draw in the um, the land, the nature, these stories that are so earth-centred and they also connect us into, I'm a bit passionate about this, um, they connect us immediately to the other world. So they bring the mythic imagination into greater life within us and enable our presence to bring life into the other world because that's what's been severed so much in um, our rationalist logical world and in a lot of our uh, latest herbal medicine teaching is that the rational is dominant over the imaginal and our imagination, our divine, holy uh, inspiration and how that level of inspiration and creativity arises from the land and the stories that come from the land and what happens in that interface between us and the other world and the land because once they they used to always operate together and here we are having to relearn how to weave all of these threads of participation together into a dance of wholeness. It's like we're starting to reform what used to be called the old fairy accord uh, where the other world, where before the veil came down, when the other world was directly involved and active with this 3D realm and the shining ones, the fae, the, the, the little people, um, the spirits of, of plants, we could cross between the veil easily. Mm. So we're, we're relearning that these days. We're relearning the importance of anchoring the, the, the other world into the life force here to bring in more abundance, more fertility, more um, spirit to come back into that. I mean, Indigenous people have always walked between the worlds um, on on country and we're just remembering how to do that uh, as as Westerners. Um, It's like the way that herbs used to only ever be given out um, in, in Western European tradition always with a charm because a, a, a charm or a ritual would it was thought that uh, a plant in, in Celtic times a plant would not work properly unless you honored it mm. unless you praised it unless you sang that little song because then it would be activated and you're bringing the other world in that if it was just a, a piece of something it's not going to work if you just eat this by itself I have to honor it, um, praise it, um, say the say the charm and uh, and that will help open the portal into its bigger consciousness which lies within between the worlds in a, another dimensional space in the other world and if that door isn't open then we can't access the spirit of it and the medicine's not going to work. So that that's sort of um, how I kind of weave stories and realms and that I, I, I feel is, is crucial. Mm. How do we walk with all of the worlds? Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I'm definitely that signing up to your storytelling <laughs> course. You just sold me. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, for any of the listeners as well, I'll provide a link for your course when this, um, when this interview is aired as well. Um, That's a really beautiful offering. I haven't heard of anyone else offering anything like that in Australia. So, yeah, thank you for um, bringing us back to the 
the roots of, of fairy tales. And, and it's really beautiful hearing how you then relate that into, um, you know, into working with the plants as well. Um, that's really beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing that. It's really special. So the next um, something that I really like to ask people that come onto the show is and in a way we've kind of it's been woven throughout our conversation already but I would love for you uh to picture an ideal world or the the future world that we're creating uh in terms of herbal education and plant medicine education and learning teaching and learning um maybe it's something that's missing now or you know maybe um just something yeah to add to how it is or just yeah if you could just paint a bit of a picture or something you'd like to see happen something yeah you know there's something that gets potentized I think when it's not just a conversation between you and I but because of all the thousands of people that are going to listen to this episode you know we can really kind of potentize our um you know projections our um, visualizations for the future and kind of create that together so I'd love to hear what world you'd like to co-create herbal education centers that have herb farms Mm. I know a lot of people live in the city and they're not able to if there was this gorgeous college that was out somewhere you wouldn't be able to to do that but to be able to go uh Every few weeks, there'd be a retreat out at the the herb center, or you'd go out for a, a, a day every every month or so, so that you could get to know and build a relationship with the plants while you're being guided by um, by some of the teachers, so that you can know the plants through different seasons and you can feel in your body and you know when somebody needs passion flower compared to valerian because you know the quality of the taste and the feel and the texture and you know how different it is um, am i giving roots or aerial parts Does, i'd love for there to be a teaching of the discernment between uh what kind of plant do you need to give somebody? Are you needing to bring in a bit more of an elemental approach? Do you need to give the earth of a plant? Does it need to have a big taproot, this plant, to give to somebody? Or are you needing to bring in more the qualities of, of air um, and you're maybe giving um, what, what, whichever um, leafy, um, fine leafy plant to, to that person. So an elemental quality, uh, uh, knowing the plant by taste, a conscious awareness of being apprentice, uh, to have an apprenticeship with the plants themselves and then being guided with that, with, with learning all of your other <clears throat> um, sort of 3D realm information so that you're memorising everything you need to know, but you're actually living it in a different way and also because we're getting vibrationally so much more sensitive I'd really like there to be education around uh, around posology around dosing in uh, a much more of a flexible way so that there's a shift from precise pharmacological um, or that uh, precision with herbal pharmacy and and biochemistry i i know there's there's sort of a fine line and a gray area there but to have more conversations around that gray area of how is this whole herb working why do we why are we taking out those active constituents what are, what is our place as herbalists how are we addressing things um i know for me that i do not want to be a a herbal pharmacist uh, that it's, and others are a lot better at working in that clinical sphere than than I am, but not at the expense of the plants and not at the expense of I can't stand the waste of if I'm taking out this active constituent and modifying it in a certain way and then uh, um, patenting it and then making a fortune after sticking it into aluminium packets. Um, I want there to be accountability to the plants and the wastage of that if three quarters of the plant is being thrown out because you've extracted the capsaicin or or the what whatever it, it might be. Um, and this idea that plants aren't strong enough. So uh, that... Uh, for that to be incorporated into the medicine, this coming back to our holistic roots of of appreciating the difference between um, what 
Western medicine does and offers diagnostically and acutely and how and what we offer um, and finding a different relationship with the spheres instead of trying to bring ourselves into more of that um, medical sphere. Um, I'd love there to be a lot more exploration of and trust in how dynamic plant spirit medicine work is of um, of learning seeing we can access conversations with plants. I, I, I don't want to continue to be considered um, an idealistic fantasist because I communicate with plants, because I listen in and feel their impact in my body and, um, and invite people to invite in the spirit of a plant for healing. I don't want to be considered to be way out in woo-woo land because I do that. I feel that it is valid and it is important and it is crucial that we bring that um, into, uh, into our, our healing work and to continue to learn from that and to navigate around it and to give people the skills to be able to um, to navigate through that way. So to learn the skills of presence and listening, deep listening practice, and to be able to um, develop their intuition, the intuition of their belly, of their gut um, instincts, of their heart, of their, of their brow. So their three intuitions, um, to learn how to support and stabilize themselves um, through their auric field. So some basic energetic awareness um, and then to bring all of that into the herbal medicine practice and to be able to work in a way that is sustainable, that is vibrationally aware, that is aware of the specific frequencies and consciousness of different plants and to be able to offer and communicate those with greater clarity. So maybe you're giving three herbs in this beautiful synergy in, st um, in a small bottle instead of 200 mils every two weeks um, of, of a combo of um, I'm going to address this issue, this issue, and this issue. So the the subtleties of of herb combining and the synergy of herbal combining, I'd love to see to see taught, and the impact of intention with combining, of how um, we can alter we alter flower essences, we we alter our herbs subtly when we give them out to clients, depending on our perception. I've seen that time and time again, um, in a lot of other stories which I won't go into now, but um, so those sort of subtleties and to practice that and to also um, have the skills in how to follow up with clients of if this is what they're presenting with, then how do I deepen with this over if I'm working with them for six months? So that level of um, care in, in follow-up and to know where you're going with that um, and the, the, more of the recognition of flower and, and rock essences rather than just something that is poo-pooed and considered to be still not exist. Um, oh, that's the fluffy subject. But to for that to be honoured and to be respected so that, okay, we really need to address what's happening for you emotionally because that is going to make a huge difference on your, your heart, your lungs, your liver. So coming in with supporting... Oh, I'm sorry, I could go on. There's a whole range of things I'm passionate about there. Mm. Oh, I'll just catch my breath. Mm -hmm. Oh, to all of that, that's very potent, Whoa. very, very beautiful. I was right there with you Whoa. with all of that and that, yeah, everything you just said really reflects the, you know, yeah, that's the world that we're going to be creating together, that we are creating together, you know. There's so many people around yes. Australia and around the world around the world that have very similar vision to everything you just said there so yes. you know, we're all playing our part in you know slowly building building that yeah. picture and we're yes. getting there so yeah that's oh, a, we are. and having the vision like the elder tree have like what you're you're bringing together there it's like yes mm -hmm. what they're doing in America in in those a lot of the colleges is fantastic mm -hmm. um, and some of the different um, root schools, uh, traditional root schools in um, in the UK that I'm aware of. So bringing in a lot more of that approach. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, there was some things that um, you, you shared in there that really, really drove home for me the, the importance of, um, you know, practitioners are doing the self-work, the importance of practitioners being really grounded and connected and, you know, like you said, deep listeners and, and really connected to their gut instincts and really centred and, and all of these practices that aren't um, being taught much um, in in the kind of institutions, you know, there's there's only so much that they can teach before they're like, okay, you're ready after this many years to start, you know, start finding your own way. And, you know, there's only so much that can be taught in that space, but it is so important for, for people that are administering medicines to be really um, connected and centred and connected to their intuition, connected to their instincts and, um yeah, and perceptive and, and, and uh, you know, open, open-minded and uh, level-headed and, and all of those attributes. And, you know, you just got me really thinking because the, the Elder Tree, <clears throat> as you might already know, we're planning to, to offer like internships and have, you know, so mm-hmm. that, that people that have just freshly come out of the colleges and are like, okay, I've been trained to be a practitioner before just launching into their own practice, they've kind of got that intermediary step of coming and having a really embodied uh, learning space where they can come and be in our holistic clinic and and come and have teachers like yourself that will help to really uh, train those skills around um, intuition and, um, you know, deep listening and then how that relates to being a good practitioner that's going to have an effective you know, and, and then all the things, you, you know, you're saying about the not needing a large doses and all that kind of like uh, pathology, you know, all the dosing, dosing and all of that, just to, to bring that in as complementary, kind of integrating all the learning they've just had in the colleges and really bringing it into like embodied practices that connected with the plants. And um, so, yeah, you've given me a few things to really think about there and I really I really hope I know that you were one of the first real like elder teachers that reached out when we announced the elder tree and said okay something's coming um, get ready and you you know I remember you reaching out and and writing and um, writing to me and you know basically you know saying that you'd love to share you know some of your gifts to the space and yeah and I would love that I would love if we could have you know once we were all set up and everything to have you come up with your very your very unique and in my experience very needed uh, wisdom and angle and where you're coming from and get to bring that into our you know even um even as intensives or something like that come and bring it to our students and to our emerging practitioners to help them to be prepared for the for the world and to be good good practitioners that are really um yeah connected and doing doing it in a really good way And it's about creating ongoing community support mm. for um, for our practitioners, um, just as as they're as they're learning and um, and just ever onwards. It's always just so good to yak to another bunch of herbies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so creating those those places, the forums mm-hmm. where we can do that. That's fantastic. I love what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Definitely exciting. Big journey ahead. <laughs> Ah, yeah. Beautiful. So, wow, thank you for sharing that. That was really potent, really potent, uh, you know, good visualization there for what we're going to be creating together. So um, I think we're going to start kind of wrapping it up. Uh, and I would love if you felt to share with the listeners uh, some of your current offerings that are happening, like what, you know, what's really alive for you and what you're offering to the world currently, um, any like upcoming know talked about the fairy tale course but I know that I know you have the anointing which really caught my eye the anointing uh learning spaces you have coming up because I used to run a uh an essential oil company and we stopped spike nard and I heard and this also weaves in the the storytelling thing too because I was I'd I'd learned that Mary Magdalene anointed Jesus Christ's feet on the cross with spike nard uh, and uh, for for his soul to cross over or something something like this that at the time I felt really clear on the story and I was telling people about that and suddenly I just sold out on spike nard like the story that I'd 
heard and shared spread so quickly that I was like, oh, my God, I'm out of spike nard. This thing that normally never sells is just like all gone. And um, yes. And yeah, so anyway, but I haven't haven't really had much experience in the world of anointing. I'd love to hear about that that offering you have, and just any any kind of upcoming spaces that the the listeners might be interested in knowing about. Okay, so what I've I've got um, upcoming is uh, let's see, I'm running an essence course online at the moment. Uh, that's about half over, um, and I'm. I've got Alchemy in the Desert, which is an essence program out at Broken Hill and Matawinji, which is over spring equinox uh, this year, so 20th of September for about five nights out in the desert of, of making essences and exploring the plants out here. Uh, let's see, there's... Um, I'll be doing, I'm just about to go overseas with um, Jane Elworthy, my partner. We do often do a lot of work together and we're running a program in Vanuatu called uh, Lemurian Homecoming. So my mind is sort of focused with, with that at the moment. And then once I land back, I'll be starting to run more of the plant spirit uh, programs online. So I'll put up links for that uh, once they're happening. Uh, there's, be a, there's a rose ceremony online com- that will be coming up probably, probably have to make it later July now. Um, Wild Presence, uh, the desert retreat, which is actually a seven-night big journey uh, in the desert, which is about what I was talking before, combining story and land and spirit and soul coming together uh, out at Matawinji and at... Um, out at the back of Broken Hill to connect him with the land here. And that the theme of that is she carries the sky within her. And that's about developing our own sense of spaciousness and relationship with the stars and the heavens. And in order to be able to have that sense of, of breadth and, and vision within ourselves, we've got to be anchored to the earth first. So it's about connecting with the myth of the world tree and of spider grandmother um, the, the weaver between the, all of the worlds. Mm. So that will be October 31 to uh, November the 6th. Uh, so Wild Presence, uh, that's a, a women's program that's that's coming up. And I also um, I also work for the the School of Sacred Storytelling, which is based in Los Angeles and set up by uh, a storyteller teacher of mine, Leah Lamb. So I'll be running Hearth Stories, which is uh, that starts in September. There's four fairy tales that I'll be working with in depth and you can either come along to one or the four of those. And uh, let's see what else is happening. Through the American School, I'm running Wild Presence Sacred Nature, a four-week program of deep connection with uh, with plants and, and with land uh, over, over August. Yeah, there's sort of a, a whole range of of things happening here and there so I'll create some some links for you um so you can follow up wow beautiful you're absolutely prolific <laughs> it's amazing yeah I love bringing bringing people out to the desert here it just it just shifts our perception and our perspective so much so that our sense of identity can start shifting in ways that would never it doesn't happen when we're in, when we're in the city, or uh, there's a, a changing in our relationship with the horizon, literally and metaphorically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it it's very very transformational. People always say, "Well, there was life before Wild Presence or Soul Song, and now there's this." Yeah. <laughs> so, bring yeah. Yeah, I can really relate to that. When I find that when I go out into the desert, it's like it kind of declutters the whole story. And actually, yeah, it really yes. helps me to find, like, be with my true essence and, and you know, connect with what's actually present rather than the stories that have, you know, any stories or busyness or whatever. It's just that vastness, that openness allows for so much clarity and um, connection. It's really beautiful. Well, I, I would like to come to all of that. That all sounds really amazing. And uh, for the listeners as well, yeah, I'll put links to all of those offerings in the show notes as well. So. I'm sure there'll be a lot of a lot of people out there that'll be really loving to come along to those. They're really beautiful offerings. So thank you. Thank you for creating them and offering them and for all of the work that you do, Jackie. Yeah. And thank you for the opportunity for a conversation because often when we have conversations with others, things get clarified mm. in, in different ways as well. It's always 
back to that participation together and what gets woven and what might spark from mm -hmm. it. So thank you. Beautiful. Well, my heart's feeling really joyful. Thank you so much for our conversation today. Pleasure. Have a beautiful Pleasure. day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Herbal Education segment of the Elder Tree podcast. Stay tuned every new moon as I interview amazing and inspiring herbal educators from around Australia. To find out more about the Elder Tree, you can go to our website, which is theeldertree.org. And through our website, you can subscribe to our mailing list. You can also follow our journey on Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you again so much and have a most wonderful day.